Are you frustrated with your co-parent? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping that you and your co-parent will one day get along better than you even did in your marriage? Or more secretly, wish your co-parent would meet with an untimely or maybe painful demise? (laughs) It's okay. We understand. But I'm afraid that neither of those fantasies are helping you move on with your life. We think this podcast will help you learn how to put those fantasies in the past. In each episode, we address difficult dilemmas that many co-parents face and will help you decide should you hold on to the conflict for the sake of the kids or let it go for the same reason. These issues are often complicated, but the solutions can be easier than you think. So get ready for this unconventional ride. You might be surprised it could change your life. If you've got a dilemma to share, please call our voicemail number at 1-234-DILEMMA or email us at 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas, where we give practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. And I'm Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. Hey, Rick, how are you doing? I'm doing very well today. Thanks. How about you? Good. I'm I'm hanging in there. Pretty good. Good. Um, looking forward to fall. <laughs> Where I live, it's very humid. So I'm uh, looking forward to September. Cooler we weather. Built, yes, we just built a fire pit. So I'm ready to uh, have cool come. weather so we can sit around the fire. And, I want to come. I want to come. Well, come on <laughs> so today... We have an email from Kaylee, and this is going to be a show where I think we're going to try to give some practical solutions, but ultimately the solution is going to be more in one co-parent's mind. Uh. Oftentimes your mindset or how you frame the problem and how you think about it is a better solution than the practical answer, right? Right. You're going to have to change your thinking about these things. Right. And when in the mediation world, we always call that a good reframe. Yes. Right. And so we're going to kind of take this problem that Kaylee presents and give it a different frame to think about it. Because ultimately, at all times, the child needs to know I can count on at least one parent to be sane in the moment. Right. Right. If both of my parents go a little insane in the moment, especially when the child is around, that really leaves that child in a lot of distress, feeling stuck in the middle and worse yet, feeling I'm the problem. In fact, I remember I had a little boy in my office years ago counseling him and he said to me, sometimes I wish I could disappear. Oh. And I said, oh my, and he was very young, nine, nine years old or so. And I said, why would you say that? He said, because if I didn't exist, my parents would have nothing to fight about. Wow. And that broke my heart. Yes. So kids really do take on your conflict and feel responsible, even if it's, I feel responsible that I was born. If I wasn't here, my parents could separate and, you know, right off into the sunset and be perfectly happy. But because they have to deal with me, that creates conflict between these two people that I really love. And that's sad. So before we answer this, I want all of you listening to really think about that. Think about how your kids are watching you and they're not judging you as separate people. They're judging you through the filter of what does it say about me? Yeah wow, my mom really acted like a jerk and I'm part mom. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> Am I? Does that make me part dirt? Right? Uh oh. Yeah. The, sa- the same concept that we always talk about why you don't say bad things about the other parent because they internalize that. You know, if I think my dad is a loser and I'm, everybody tells me I look just like my dad. So I interpret that I'm half dad then I have to consider, am I half loser? Yes. Am I a loser like my dad, right? So they take it very personally. And especially when they see you coming at each other with a lot of those very negative comments about the person, the character, they really take it personally. Yes, the children are learning something from you. The only question is, is it something productive or is it something destructive? Right. Yep. So I'll go ahead and read Kaylee's question. She said, this is Kaylee. I live in upstate New York. Thanks for your show and your advice so far. It's been very helpful. You're welcome, Kaylee. Thanks for listening. Yes, thank I have you. A, I have a situation with my co-parent I hope you can help me with. He wants to attend every doctor's appointment, every dentist appointment. He even wants to attend every haircut appointment our child has. He was never interested in doing those kinds of things before when we were married, but I think now it's just a way for him to see the kids. I would be okay with it if he didn't embarrass me so much by showing up and creating tension or starting a fight with me in front of the kids. How do I balance him being part of these decisions but not have to cringe every time he opens his mouth in front of the professionals I trust to care for our kids? Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> this is not that's, unusual. That sounds miserable though. Right? Yes. It, it, well, yes. And hard on the kids, I'm sure. That and hard is. on the professionals as well. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, and that is true. Uh, and I've heard other clients tell me that, you know, their pediatrician or their dentist refuses to get yes. in the middle of the co-parent conflict. And when they say, Hey, can you call me after the session, and we're like, no, I don't have time to have two different appointments because you two can't talk to each other, you know? Right. So I've encountered a lot of teachers who don't like to get in the middle of the, the co-parent conflict. So the professionals don't see that as part of their job. Right. So they just want parents to get along, which isn't always possible, obviously. So what do you think about this, Rick? Should she just keep letting him do this, which would be letting this problem go? Should she say something, do something? Well, I'm not, not just, if she doesn't do something, then it's just going to keep happening. And that's not going to be good for the children or the professional or her for that matter. So she needs to do something, but it's like we were talking about with Brandon, the, in another episode, she has no control over his behavior. She only has control over her behavior. So if she's going to do something, she has to look at something that she can do. Right. So we often talk about if you can't control their behavior in front of the kids, you find ways to do things that don't put you in each other's presence in front of the kids, right? Minimize contact. Yeah. So for instance, every time you exchange the children, your co-parent has to engage you in a co-parenting conversation that digresses to a conflict. The the answer to that is don't exchange the kids like that. Either do it in a very public place where that's not as likely to happen. And if that doesn't work, come up with a schedule where one of you drops them off at school and the other one picks them up at school so that you never have to be in each other's presence. Ideally, it would be nice if you could be in each other's presence and just be pleasant and kind. But if, again, you can't control how your co-parent does that, then you put physical boundaries around that. Yes. Let me let me tell you a little story about a client that I had once that 
the mom took the child to the dentist. I think the child was eight or nine years old for her first filling. And, you know, I don't like getting a filling, right? They put that drill in your mouth. (laughs) End up with a hole there. And, you know, for a child, just getting the numbing shot can be traumatic, right? Oh, yes. So it's already stressful. But what happened was the dentist would only let one parent come back. And this was a couple that both of them insisted on being there so they could hear what the doctor was saying. And unfortunately, parents that do that feel like they can't trust the other parent to give them the right information. I want to be there to talk to the doctor. I want to hear what the doctor has to say. I don't want to trust you to tell me what the doctor is recommending, which is terrible that you would think that a parent would lie to you, but I guess some do. Oh yeah. So they both insisted on being with her. They couldn't decide which parent was going to do it. Mom went back and asserted herself. And then dad came back in the room and said, you were at the last one. I get to be at this one. They were in so much conflict. The child burst out in tears. So here's this poor child. She's already numbed, ready for the surgery. The dentist comes in at her fighting. The child's crying. And the dentist finally just kicked them all out and said, I can't do this with your child while she's in tears. She's already stressed enough. So we're just not going to do it today and made them all leave. And of course I was working with them and some co-parenting and I was just appalled. And what I was appalled at, I was appalled at both of them because not neither one of them could have the presence of mind to do the right thing, even if it was hard. Which it is hard. Yes. Yes. So in other words, dad could have gotten the presence of mind and said, okay, I'm going to give in to mom and I'm going to walk out and I'm going to go sit in the waiting room or in the car. I'm not going to put my child through this, even though he might've felt that was unfair because mom got to be in the room with the child the last three doctor's appointments and I never get to do it, but I'll bow out this time because my child is obviously getting upset. Yeah. By the same token, mom could have given in and said, okay, he always does this kind of thing. My child is nervous around him because he bullies his way into the place. But you know what? I'm going to let him have this one because I don't want my child to go through this. So I was upset with both parents that neither one of them could have the presence of mind to think about how she was feeling. And it only would have taken one of them to make the child all right. Yes. Yes. And it's not that hard to give in unless you're all about winning and I think we talked about in our very first episode, remember that the wedding, remember the wedding episode? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that this is the 20th time she's asked for a change in the schedule, but this one is about the wedding, right? Right. <laughs> Same thing here. Maybe he always does this kind of thing, but now we're in a situation where the child is reacting. One of us has to show the child that we care enough to walk away let alone show the dentist, right? Being the professional that we're willing to walk away. We'll be back after a quick break. The heart behind the I'm on podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com. And when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, 
It brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah, so that would be a situation to be mindful in the present moment when you haven't or couldn't anticipate a difficult situation because of what the other parent's doing. But if you know the other parent is always trying to do stuff like this, then plan ahead, be mindful before you show up. Don't put yourself in that situation or the child in that situation. Right. Other situations I think we've encountered is when a parent calls the police on the other parent in front of the kids. (laughs) That's another one where you're like, oh, why do you do that? We talk about this in our class as well. The, the order says you can't go to the other parent's house without prior notice. You have to text them ahead of time and all that. And they just show up at your house unannounced. And you're like, this is against the court order. I'm calling the police. He's not allowed to be here. And the question is, do you have a right to do that? Well, of course, anybody has the right to call the police when something's not being followed. But it's not really a criminal action unless there was a restraining order against that parent, right? It's the police are going to come and they're just going to say, calm down and go to court. They're going to send you to civil court. They're not, it's not a criminal act unless there's something criminal happening. Yeah. What the police are going to do is literally separate you, which is what one of you could have done to begin with. Just So tell them how that should be handled. You talk about this a lot in the classes. And the point is that the number of times, and I know this was true for me, the number of times you are faced with a decision between your legal rights and the emotional and mental well-being of your child is a lot. You are going to be faced with that choice a lot. Right. So count on it. In fact, watch for it when it comes up so that you're not surprised And it is hard to make a decision to set aside your legal rights in order to win for the emotional and mental well-being of the child. It may feel like or even look like to the other parent that you're losing, but if you'll keep your focus on the long game that you're playing to the end of their emotional and mental well-being, then that choice isn't as hard. It is hard, but it's not as hard as you might seem. So let's play that out. Say it's dad not supposed to go to mom's house because the court order says he has to give her prior notice, usually based on some past history, right? Of them getting into it when he just shows up at her house. And mom, instead of saying, what are you doing on my property? You didn't let me know. I'm going to call the police. Play that out in a way that would be beneficial to the children. All right. So the children are right there. I mean, they're going to see it. So you don't react, you do whatever needs to be done to minimize the amount of time that you are exposed to each other and lessen the contact as quickly as possible. And then close the door, let the kid say dad's picking up the children, let them go wave goodbye, close the door, and then call your attorney and rant and rave <laughs> right, right. about what that this is. This is the 14th did. time that <laughs> yes. he's done this. Yeah, because you, you and your attorney believe. will have to decide whether it's enough to file some sort of contempt issue. And, you know, sometimes they're just stopping by to pick up a soccer ball that they left or that they forgot something, hand it over, say, okay, wave to the kids, hi, let it go and save the moment. And that's about up. making the other parent pay. It's not investing anything in the emotional and mental well-being of your children. 
is that I'll show you, you know, right. I'm finally going to punish you for yes. what you've been doing. And again, that's what I was talking about. Sometimes it means accepting no without complaining. Other times it means saying yes when it's annoying. Right? Uh, definitely. So oh, in yeah. that, in, yeah, in that situation, mom's annoyed oh, because yeah. he was supposed to call before he just dropped by to pick up that lost sock, but he didn't. And she may have to, in that moment to save the children, just say, yes, here's the sock. <laughs> Bye-bye. And then talk with her attorney about how many times do I forgive this before we do something about it? And maybe you never do anything about it because as long as you can handle it on your end, it doesn't have to be an issue. So that's abstract, right? That's not as practical, but that's a way of thinking about it. It's about how you think. And I also like when you talk about what the children will remember, you may win and what the child will remember is the negative thing. But if you are mindful and make that sacrifice, it is a sacrifice. And then the child will remember the extra effort you put in. Right. So it's not about making sure your child has a lot of positive memories. It's really about making sure your child has very few negative memories. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, help. so the kids would remember the police being called. They will probably not remember the time dad went and mom got their extra sock. Right. Because it's not memorable. Right. And we don't want it to be memorable. And that's actually a good thing. So let's play this out for Kaylee. The next dentist appointment. Yes. What would you recommend? Well, let me give a practical solution. It may or may not be possible. But if we think back to our last episode, when we talked about how to share an opinion. Yes. I think, and I may have done this with the couple with the, the dentist issue. So Kaylee can say in her next email, after our last doctor's appointment with our child and things seemed really tense, I was wondering if it might be better if we take turns. How would you feel about us sharing the responsibility of going to the doctor's appointments? I'll trust that you'll get me the proper information. You trust that I'll get you the proper information because it's really about the kids. Good. And, it, you know, as a therapist, I don't like both co-parents coming if I'm seeing their child in therapy. I don't want them in the waiting room. I can't mm. trust what's happening. Yeah. And I can tell you that child of divorce is in my counseling office and they are worried and wondering what's happening Ooh. or in the parking lot. Yeah. You know, even when they're both sitting in the parking lot, which is ridiculous, by the way. Because half the time, I don't really talk to the parents. They're not my client. I'm talking to the child. So it's, and it's pretty annoying to the professional because then you have to manage something that doesn't need to be managed. It shouldn't have to be managed. So I'll often uh, ask parents as the professional, please don't both of you come. I'll ask them each to take turns coming. And I have, you know, I have no problem sending a, a group email to both parents if there's something I do need to tell them about their child. And I would assume you should have access to the doctor's records if you yes. have, especially if you have joint legal custody of your children. So there is a way for you to get practical information about your child's orthodontics or their allergist or their dentist. So I would suggest that she at least try that. Now, if he comes back and says, no, I'm not doing that. That's not fair. She's going to be one of these people that's going to have to say yes, even when it's annoying. Which is the price of being a non-impossible parent. Yes. Yes. 
not easy. Sometimes you have to give in. And that's not to say that eventually the kids, as they grow older, might say, mom, I don't want dad to come to the appointment. He always says something about me in front of the doctor. Mm. He's always getting into an argument with the doctor. I've encountered parents like that too. They go to the doctor's appointment. They actually get into it with the doctor because they're just high conflict people. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually your children will speak up and say, I don't want dad to take me. I don't want mom to take me anymore because they're high maintenance. I just want to go get my teeth cleaned without this drama. I do want to say something about the hair. Okay. Why? (laughs) Why do you want to say something or why do you go? Why do you go to your child's haircut? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I could understand maybe the first haircut because a lot of people. Okay. Actually, people videotape that. Your three-year-old's curls are coming off or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Maybe, but still video it. Can you not video it? Oh, yeah, you can. But I I have encountered this once or twice with co-parents where, you know, the the daughter's 10. You know, what are you afraid is going to happen? Mom's going to like, you know, shave her head and color (laughs) it blue. Wow. To me, a haircut is just something that you trust the other parent to do, that they're not going to do something so crazy that it's going to create distress for your child. But to me, hair grows back. Uh Right. Right. It does. I'm not going to kill anybody. So the haircut thing, I've just never understood. And the, the feedback I've always gotten is because I've been there for everything. Well, you know, one of the consequences of divorce is you just can't be with your child 24-7 anymore. And we're can't. asking you to make the <laughs> choice to not be there if it's going to create stress for your child. Right. Yeah. Right. So if there's any conflict at all, forget the haircut. So if you're cooperative and you both take the the child to the haircut and you go out to dinner afterwards and everybody's happy, then great. But we know, like we've said before, the vast majority of parents can't, that they're not capable of that kind of interaction. To me, if your child has cancer and you need to talk about oncology or they have a big operation coming up or they're in the emergency room, of course, yes, then you both would want to be there for the consultation and hopefully you wouldn't be a, a butthole trying to talk about something really, really life-threatening or important to your child. For the most part, the vast majority of doctor's appointments or check-ins with a dentist or an orthodontist do not require that both parents be there to make a decision together. Right. All right. So non-impossibles. I want you to remember we have a Facebook page. Just go to our Facebook page at CP Dilemmas and click on groups. Uh, Get on our non-impossible Facebook group because that's where we're going to talk about these things. So if you want to talk about what we've said here, you want to weigh in, you want to give your opinion, you disagree with us. I'm really looking forward to being able to do some of that back and forth because I learned from it as well. Because I've worked with so many co-parents in the past 20 years, I think that's why I have some of the answers that I have because I've learned what works for people and what doesn't. Yep. All right. Sounds good. Good Good luck, Kaylee. Yeah. Thank (laughs) you for writing in and write us back and tell us whether or not you were able to negotiate that or not. I would be very interested to, to hear what you had to say. Yeah, me too. All right, Rick, we'll check in with you next week. All right. See you then. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. We hope this episode was helpful to you. If you'd like to share your dilemma or tell us how something we said has benefited your situation, please call 1-234-DILEMMA. That's 234-362-3445. Or email 1234dilemma at gmail.com. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to Co-Parent Dilemmas wherever you get your podcasts and give us a favorable rating. That will make us more accessible to co-parents who are searching for help. Thank you for being part of our non-impossible family.